Shut up and sit down. Hi, Sharon, thought I'd give you a ring. It crossed my mind, so now I'm wondering if you're not settled in. You might like to meddle in some adrenaline pumping, pedaling. Oh, dolls, I thought you'd never ask. I'd love to get my hand behind some handlebars. You are listening to another episode of The Dialed Podcast with Matt Lee Grand, Evan Price, Lance Hepler, and Jake Von Turing. The guys blabber on about themselves, talk to someone else about some stuff, and finish by blabbering just a little more. There you go. The show in a nutshell. Tip of the day. Talk does not cook rice. So quit yapping and get to it already. You can watch me. Whoosh by, I'm a push by, I'm a tush high, and my thighs bumping away. Seems like a sweet deal, it's a three wheel, and I still steal the show from your camera. On my bicycle. I immediately regret this decision. Hi, right, welcome back to the Dial Podcast. I am Jake Von During, and I'm sitting here with Mr. Evan Price. All right, I'm drinking a coffee brought to me by Cassie. From Detaza. Oh, this is she's she's just an absolute champ today. She brought me a sausage and egg sandwich too. So that's what I'm eating. Ooh, maybe I should switch out of that. What is everybody eating? Not drinking today. What are you eating? Because I can hear Lance eating into the microphone. <laughs> I have a I have a picky bar that I I had to sit in front of the heater because Jesse it's Thomas's like 12, company. Twelve degrees. Yeah, this is Jesse Thomas's company, and yeah. I'm eating his picky bar. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I'm not eating anything. Jake's not eating anything, but there is a sugar cookie here waiting for him right behind the microphone. Yeah. It's a little red-nosed reindeer from Detaza. Everybody listening to this in the Washington area, go to Detaza and buy things. They're really awesome. <laughs> Please keep them open for as long as possible. They are incredible. On Skype, Mr. Matt Legrand. What's up, ladies and gentlemen of the internet? You guys look frosty today. <laughs> frosty. <laughs> frosty. And uh, to his digital right, Mr. Lance Hepler. Lance Romance uh, here in my hot pants. Um, yeah, coming at you from Idaho this you week. Kind of need those hot I'm pants in. looking outside there. Seeing this is the first time I've looked at Lance and been like, wow, I'm glad we're here. Like never <laughs> on this true. podcast ever. Have I looked at Lance and been like, man, I wouldn't want to be where he is right now. And at this moment, I'm like, it looks really cold there. I'd much rather be here. It's 45 and balmy right now. Yeah. Yeah. It, it. I woke up. It was nine degrees this morning. Nine. How was, oh. your, how was your ride outside? I did not ride outside. Oh, no I rides outside, just, huh? I rode on Zwift already this morning. It was just, it's too cold. Do you use Zwift in the cold. van? How do you do that? Um, I use my um, road bike with the the vector three power pedals and i oh. put it on a um kinetic the, no omnium. the the feedback sports the omnium sports. yeah, yeah oh, the, the feedback easy. sports yeah. omnium it's Those got ones are awesome. it's got rollers nice yeah so it it works pretty well yeah it's not i can't do erg mode for anything so like i've been doing workouts and i can't do erg mode so it just i just have to focus to stay on the power targets cool all right, let's do some backpedaling. Evan, you want to start us off? Yeah, instead of talking about myself, which would be very boring, I'm going to bring up 
Brian Floyd over the weekend sent me something that he wanted to dis- wanted kind of discussed on the podcast. Brian is a uh, triathlete on our team and owner of a beautiful Canyon road bike as well. Uh, and uh, probably a guy who's going to be jumping into some road races. I'm just calling Brian out on that. I think in the future he'll jump into some road races. He likes road biking a lot for a triathlete. He came out and did some rides with us during the, the week. Exactly. Those were fun. Exactly. And he was blown away watching Paula Finley ride at the speeds that she did in Challenge Daytona. And he was asking me in general that, you know, if, if you look at a rider like Brian versus a rider like Paula, Brian was asking – Okay, Paula's putting out the same, if not, you know, a little less power than I am. How is she going so much faster? And I was like, that's a wonderful question. For one, outside of her weighing probably a roughly 70, 80 pounds less, you have the, the aerodynamics and the efficiency that Paula rode with around that oval was incredible. It goes beyond just aerodynamics, though, because Paula would even criticize her own aerodynamic position. Matt, I'm not sure if you saw her videos recently, her and Eric's video. She she is not one of the more aerodynamic riders out there. But what I think is so cool about Paula, you watch her through that entire race, her ability to sustain muscular strain or just to sit in at a certain power and not vary her cadence was pretty incredible. I mean, she just knows how to ride a bicycle fast, which I yeah. do think is actually a skill set that, you know, we talk about with people like Sagan, with people like Fabian Conchalara. Yes, they may, you know, they they have incredible power profiles, but are they that different than the rest of the pro peloton? Not by as much as people would think. The riding a bicycle fast in my opinion really does have a lot to do with your core stability, how much of that power is effective power, how you can hold that tight position and how you can stay consistent with your cadence. And Paula nails basically all of those. Uh she rode at like 260 watts for the 50 miles, which is a massive number for you know yeah. the size she is not a big person yeah. so yeah but but that's a, a number that she can hold and that Forever. position is comfortable enough for her that she can get off and still run i think six low or six i can't exactly remember what pace she ran but yeah and she you know. like never left the saddle the i mean i i'm i could be lying there she may have once but that entire broadcast she is she's in that position yes it may not be the most elite arrow position but for her, it was comfortable enough where she didn't budge the entire ride. I mean, she she stayed locked into that position. Well, I mean, she's trained that position. She's been on that bike for a long time. I think that there's really, you know, it's you get on a fast super bike and you hold a good position, you hold good watts, you're going to go fast, especially when that surface and road conditions are pretty much perfect. Exactly. Exactly. And outside of that, my backpedal end with this morning, I did my least favorite track workout, 12 by 400. Matt, that is the worst workout ever. 12 by 400 is terrible. I think, I think like when I was fast, I could hold maybe like 66 or 68 or something like that for 12, 400s. Oh, you're Depending better. on the recovery, do you 200 recovery? Uh, so I was, uh, 68 to 70 and I was just leaving on the two minutes. So it was like a, you know, just hit basically 68, leave on two. So like 50 seconds rest roughly. Did you guys take turns leading? Um, Josh wasn't there. Josh is actually taking a prescribed zone one, zone two week because Josh thought it would be a good, this is why when you don't coach, you know, when you coach yourself, it's good to have people around you that have similar training is because he, he thought it was a good idea to basically do his entire Ironman build and then jump straight into a speed focused winter with literally like a 24 hour kind of rest period. So we, we decide he, he needs to take it easy for a week and then he'll come back next week and be all by yourself on the track. It was a lonely four bunch of 400s. Cassie was out there with me, though. She was doing her workout, and 
Ryan Cotton was doing his crazy ultra marathon stuff where he was just running circles forever at the same exact pace. It's clockwork. Nice. The guy's amazing. Wow. Cool. Well, I think that track workout will help you in the long run. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Matt, you want to backpedal? Sure. I have been doing like more little runs, like a lot of little like morning mile runs. Um, I have, I did that Tuesday night Zwift. We did our team ride. Yeah, that was hard. Man. I feel like we started like brutally hard. Like I know the idea is that we're supposed to start off at a reasonable pace and then work into brutally hard. And I feel like the past couple times we've just gone straight to brutally hard. Um, what was funny is like Jake starting, I don't know, you got called caught off guard or something like that and ended up being quite a ways pee. back. No, I was having some connectivity issues with my uh, my power meter, uh, so I had to basically stop and repair everything. And I was two and a half minutes behind the the chase group, and then for whatever reason, we had a group break off the front during our warm up period. I, I, Lance, do you know something about that? I don't know, but anyway, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, go ahead, man. Lance and Dustin were doing it. That was uh... on advice of counsel. I declined to comment. Was was <laughs> Dustin there? Yeah, Dustin was there, and Alan Plank yeah. too was a part of the shenanigans. Alan Plank's pretty darn strong right now. That's that's yeah. another guy. He's he's pretty he's he's gotten stronger and stronger over the last two years. Indeed, we we were going reasonably until we hit this one ten percent section, and um, me and Dustin and Alan just kind of floated off the front, and then Dustin's like, "Let's go! This is the break! Let's go!" And I had to go, Dustin. Um, we're trying to stay together until the hot lap and not be a breakaway. And no, that's, anyway, that's classic. Dustin is all right, guys. This but, used to be me and David's joke with him is all right. Zone, zone two, right? Yeah. Yeah. Zone two, right. And by that, we mean Dustin's going to break away at some point and then try and hold it and make you chase him for the entire ride. <laughs> yeah. Blowing Just, up the group ride. I actually was really happy. I was putting out good numbers, which has been, it's been a while since I've done decently on any of this stuff. Um, and I still got a couple of swims in. I think I swam three times this week, which is, I mean, it's not a ton. Compared to like last win, last winter, I feel like I was swimming at least six times a week. And now it's uh, three. And now three is a good week. So I was just thinking that today, Matt. That's like last year, didn't we have some weeks where we would swim like seven days yeah. that week? Yeah. And you and we were swimming long, too. We would do like oh, 5,000 yeah. meter sets. And we had we had a winter block where we were like over 20K each week. Yeah, we were doing great on the swimming last year, which was nice. Uh, but then, let's see, Saturday was interesting. I swam in the morning and then did a mock triathlon because I'm testing this watch. The Wahoo Element Rival is the name of the watch. And it has this triathlon mode where you, uh, you can basically do a triathlon and you don't have to hit any split buttons. It'll calculate the transitions for you. So... It's a cool idea, and the concept is an algorithm will kind of look at what you're doing and figure out that it thinks you're done swimming. So, But what this required me to do was either A, like go do an open water swim in Fallen Leaf Lake, which I chose not to do, or option B was walk around my cul-de-sac with a bucket of water and dip my hands in and out of the water, uh, <laughs> which is what I chose to do. Um which was pretty entertaining. I think the neighbors had a blast, like just watching that go down. What's what's the name of that swim drill, Matt? 
The, the name of that swim drill is uh-huh. uh, the Star Wars bucket hand hand dip. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah. So, it works on that hand position. It was more than just walking across your cul-de-sac, though. How far yep. did you go? How long did you do this for? Um, I only did about three or four laps of the cul-de-sac, so I don't know how long that took me. But it was interesting because it'll it was giving me like splits, and I was like, oh, this is like two hundred um, for my hundred meter time, you know pace it was giving me like two minutes per hundred i was like that's pretty you know it's not that far off those are like reasonable swim times uh if i were to you know go swim you know whatever was some of them i was like oh if i pick up the pace i can get my um swim 100 meter pace down below two minutes and i was just i don't know i was kind of having fun with it but uh the neighbors thought i was a whack job which it's not the first time that they've seen me doing stupid (laughs) stuff and thought i was an idiot because like i i did one I have like one thing where I like was like pretending like I was biking naked and I had like pretty much nothing on and I was biking up and down my street and they're just, I mean like I do so many stupid things either for videos or for other people that want me to do stupid things. Uh, other people. But my, my neighbors are, I think somewhat used to it, but also like, <laughs> what is it this time? Um, so what was nice with that is uh, Jake and I timed it pretty much perfectly I did a semi longer transition where I went and put an extra jacket on and dried off my arm and uh, got my, the rest of my bike stuff on and went out for a bike ride. Uh, and I don't remember the transition, you know, was like 10 minutes and it's supposed to kind of like, it's trying to like auto calculate that stuff. I wouldn't say I'm super impressed with the auto calculation of transitions. But it's good enough if it's one of those things where, like, if you just don't want to press buttons and you want to rely on the watch to do it, it would work for you. Um, We biked about 30 miles, and holy shnikes, I was trashed after 20 minutes. It was (laughs) not fun. (laughs) And I asked Jake, I was like, am I in really bad shape or are you in really good shape? And I think, like, you know, maybe it's a combination of both, but that was not... I mean, I was, I was putting out good watts. I mean, I was like doing okay, but like the legs, you know, the other thing was, is that was the day after Evan, we had done squats and stuff. So I think maybe that was part of it or I'm going to blame you. No, I mean, Cassie, every single time she wakes up on Saturday, will blame me if her legs aren't there on the bike. So don't worry. Just use me as that built-in excuse. I've had John Hoffman message me before and be like, I'm pretty sure my ride didn't go as planned because of you. So (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm fine with that. Mr. Scapegoat. (laughs) I was going to get off and run a little bit more, but I just did one mile. That was it off the bike. And I was like, that's it. That'll give me enough to test that they, every, you know, that everything works with the watch and nothing more. And, uh, I can call it quits for the day. So mock triathlon, that was fun on Saturday. On Sunday, I did a, um, like a, a Christmas scavenger hunt run with my kid, my oldest kid, Ethan. That was fun. Went around and we took pictures of all this weird stuff. Like, we were looking for a Christmas palm tree. We were looking for a Griswold house. We were looking for, uh, oh, you had to fuel by eating Christmas cookies during your run. All this fun stuff. A palm tree. Nice. I'm looking at this right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, there was. It was pretty tricky. Like One of the things we were looking for, we were supposed to find a, uh, a buddy, the elf. Oh, yeah. I know, find... I know where one's at. There's. So we went up. So we ended up doing like, 400 feet of elevation running just because I was looking for this buddy, the elf. Ethan was like, no, I know there's one up here somewhere. Yeah. Close, go like go up your street, turn, turn left on Jasmine and go up. I don't, not even a, an eighth of a mile. And it's on the right hand side. 
Yeah, I, I was inflatable butt at the elf. I see it every time I drive home. <laughs> I think they deflate it and like bring it in during the day or in the morning. Oh, that could be. <laughs> yeah. No, they just know, they just know that it. you're running by it, Matt. And they're like, hide the buddy, hide buddy. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. So anyway, so that was on our uh, scavenger hunt list, but it, we missed that one. Um, so anyway, so that was a, a solid week. I don't know what that adds up to. Um, I would say I might have gotten 10 hours in. I don't know. That a kid. I'm, I'm stalking your Strava, Matt. You were right around there. You almost yes. averaged 200 watts for an hour and seven minutes on that Tuesday ride. That is 100 more watts than you're supposed to be putting out, sir. <laughs> what is your Tuesday coach going to say? And, then with Jake, and that with Jake, too. I'm like, I'm killing myself here. <laughs> need to be careful. I, I need to do an FTP test, like some sort of ramp test or something like that, so that I can get some real numbers and I can be like, is this too much? Or is this just right? Because do you, do you um, want to do a ramp yeah. test Saturday? Me, Dustin, Josh, uh, Nate are all doing a ramp test together on on Saturday. We were just going to Discord in and hear each other breathing loudly into the microphones. That's uh, nice. maybe. Oh, Saturday. I'll message you. It'll be fun. Okay. It, it just it just ten minutes of absolute suck, and then you're done. Are you doing a ramp test on Zwift, or where do you do your ramp test? How on do you- Zwift. I just do it on Zwift. Just do you have they, something specific that you follow, or do you? Is it Zwift's ramp test? It's their pre uh, pre prescribed uh, ramp test. Honestly, I used to uh, do some work in a threshold lab. Like it's basically just a VO2 max test. That's all it is. It's every minute the watch bumps up until you you fail. Yeah, I I used to use their um, FTP test. They had like a a shorter one and a longer one, and I would do the longer one. And so I was thinking I would use that one because then I have consistency from previous years. But that's true. I don't know if it's. Maybe I'll just switch over to the ramp and call that good. The, the ramp is way more efficient. I can probably, it's, it's over a whole lot quicker. Yeah, that might be good for me. Hey, Lance, backpedal. Yeah. Uh, I rode some bikes this week every day, and uh, it was Are you still good. streaking? Are you still streaking on your... I'm still, yeah, I'm still up. I think I'm at, um, what am I at? I'm at day like 138, I think. I forgot. I rode this morning and I forgot to keep track, but yeah. So yeah, I spent the first three or four days in Vancouver and rode road bikes and gravel bikes and mountain bikes while I was there. And, um, then headed for Idaho. Uh, we stopped in Boise for a day. My wife needed to do some Christmas shopping. So she let me jump out and ride around. I was riding my road bike. It was still only like 30 degrees or something. It was still chilly. <laughs> and I, um, the worst thing that happened is I got a, I got a nail flat through my rear tire and the, the nail went all the way through the tire. So in through the top and out through the sidewall. So, um, that's very, I bad. thought, yeah, I thought, okay, we're going to have to test the, uh, tubeless tire here. I pull it out. And the one on the top sealed right up, but the one on the sidewall just would not seal. So I actually put a plug in it. I didn't, I didn't put a tube in it. I put a plug in it, and the plug worked perfectly. So it worked. I was able to ride all the way home, uh, or home, the van, back to the van where it was parked, <laughs> and uh, it uh, it worked out. So that was good. But um, then I'm here in Sun Valley, Idaho. Um, yesterday was it? Yesterday it wasn't yesterday. It was the day before. I went to go ride outside. Um, it was 20 degrees, ice-covered roads. I put the studded tires, the metal studded tires on my gravel bike, 
and uh, went out, and it was just it was miserable. <laughs> it was so stinking cold. I'm like, okay, I guess I'm gonna Zwift while I'm here. So I've just been Zwifting since I've been here. Didn't you have a tire issue when you were Zwifting yesterday? Oh yeah. So <laughs> what happened? So I'm riding the Omnium trainer. So it's it's um the front is locked in, but the rear is is on rollers, and the spot that had plugged up with the tubeless sealant um it's there's more pressure while i'm riding on the rollers and it blew so the rear tire went flat while i was riding in the middle of like my first sweet spot interval is that your first flat on a trainer yes it is (laughs) i flatted i've actually i've actually had those before those those happen a decent especially if you're operating with a super old tire but i know well, this tire is just beat up, you know. I I don't know. It's probably got I don't know fifteen hundred miles on it or something, and they haven't been easy miles. So yeah, so I take the tire into the garage, and I think, okay, I'm just going to swap it out and put a brand new, you know, a tubeless tire on the rear. But it was nine degrees in the garage, and I couldn't get it. I couldn't get it to seal. Plus, I don't have a compressor here, so I'm trying to use my air canister um, uh, pump. And it, it was just too cold; it wouldn't seal. So, after much sweating, even in the nine-degree uh, garage, and much cussing, I finally put a uh, tube in the in the uh, old tire, and that's uh, that's going to stay there until I. I think I should be like the tube guy, like trying to influence you guys to go back to tubes. <laughs> like, so that, like I, it doesn't it doesn't necessarily have to be me, but I just feel like one person <laughs> on the podcast should be like pro tube. I'm still. This is totally, like like who's fail you, who's it, who's gonna be our our frame mount break you know guy like you know the the, the oh. non disc brake guy. Yeah, we need that guy. That guy because because that guy's break. that guy's aggressive about it these days. He's we real aggressive. Guy and we need yeah. steel bike guy. Yeah, non electronic <laughs> non electronic shifting guy. Oh yeah, yeah. That guy <laughs> needs to for sure get on. I'm fine with taking all these roles. I mean, they really yeah, fit my we, persona. We could split them up. I don't know. Yeah. Matt, I actually got a puncture when we did a ride on Saturday and never knew it happened. When I got home, there was sealant over the, uh, the, the my radar. That's when I noticed when I was putting it away and I went and looked at the back of the bike and sure enough, there was more spray on there. And I don't think I lost more than maybe a, a pound or two of PSI. And that's just a, a flat that we didn't have to stop and repair. Well, it would have been nice to take a little break, Jake. <laughs> I was about to say, man, Matt, how does that make you feel? He's riding on like 30 PSI as he's just leaking yeah. air out and stuff. <laughs> notice that like it wasn't like I didn't notice any orange spray because it was one of the times, one of the many times that he had pulled away from me. <laughs> uh, it was all fun. Cool. Is that it? That's enough. Hep out. Hep out. <laughs> uh, my back pedal real quick. Uh, a lot of Zwifting this week and the only notable thing there would be the team ride and yeah it was one of those things right out of the gate it was maybe a minute or two into the ride i noticed that everybody's riding away from me i'm like well that's really hard so i started to pedal harder and they were still riding away and then i noticed that my power was stuck at 100 watts for some reason no matter how hard i was pedaling i'm like well that's definitely odd so i had to stop and repair and by the time i finally got all that sorted out like i said before i was two and a half minutes behind the the main group and three and a half minutes behind lance and all of his fellow shenanigan friends 
I had to pedal for 40 minutes north of 305 watts just to catch up to that group and then <laughs> was able to sit in for just a while to recover before we started going hard again. So there was another 20-minute effort on top of that. So it was about an hour of time that I spent between, I think it was 305 watts and 450 watts. It was pretty much r right in that range. That hurt, and I was pretty much schlocked after that for about two days. <laughs> and that was kind of testament <laughs> that I needed to uh, actually take some time off because we're doing this dialed 100 thing that is quickly becoming like, all right, who's going to stop first? That's the only reason why I keep doing it. I'm like, well, Sean is still doing it. Lance is still doing it, so I have to still do it. So there's full-on <laughs> peer pressure here. Can't just stop. My wife's like, why don't you just take a day off? I'm like, can't. <laughs> <laughs> so – um, yeah, that was a good workout on Zwift, and I did notice when I was setting that Zwift meetup up that there is the option to set up a race on there now for our meetup. So it will give us uh, finishing times for everybody. And everybody race has results, right? Race results. Yeah, that's so, that's been there for the last couple of months because that's actually what I use on our Thursday morning ones. Are you sure? Yeah. Because yeah. I didn't notice it the week before when it was there because I would look to see if it was still just to keep everyone together. Maybe it was just it's one been, of those. It's been there for a bit. It maybe may the type, maybe it's a type of meetup that you're selecting. I don't know, but it's 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 been there for less. Probably has two something months, to I do think. then with me not updating until just recently. Yeah. So that's yeah. probably what it was. So, because anyway, it was not there a few months ago, but it, it was there recently. I think yeah. that we're going to have to add a second day per week for the team during the winter time to come and do a race as opposed to everybody coming in wanting to race during our group ride. So, you're right. 4 30 a.m. on Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> that seems like a good time. <laughs> that's, <laughs> uh, that's a guaranteed loss for me. I won't. Uh, Maybe Saturday mornings, everybody. Yeah, possibly. Anybody? So, yeah, we can do that. And then um, the other thing was uh, just riding with Matt. That was fun being outside. It was cold, but the sun was out. So sun's out, guns out. And it was kind of funny. I was just getting ready to to go out for a ride, and sure enough, here comes the text from Matt. I'm like, well, there you go. Let's go for a bike ride. So, that was I fun. believe I lost a KOM due to that ride. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think I got it, to be honest with you, because it didn't populate on my Garmin. For some reason, it just never came up. And I just went hard and just kept my nose down and kept the, the watts as high as I could. And I think I got you by, what, three or four seconds, two or three seconds, something like that? I think it was three seconds. Yeah. Yep. That's, oh, I didn't know you had that. That's a, That was just like a, hey, go hard kind of situation. Well, I told you, too. I didn't even lead them out, Lance. I tried to. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Matt. Yeah. yeah. What's the name of that segment? <laughs> Matt's it's, favorite road south, I think. Correct. <laughs> Matt's favorite road south. <laughs> yeah, it was uh that was a fun little effort. My my legs were screaming at me after that. So anyway, yep, yeah, that was uh my week. Let us get into um some Patreon stuff here. We are doing our Patreon drawing this week, as we promised. Uh, this week, we're going to do a pair of Christmas socks, and these are coming compliments of the Dowd Cycling Lab, and the Dowd Cycling Lab will be paying for those full pop, and the net proceeds for these Christmas socks is going to our Bikes for Kids campaign, which is actually kind of cool. Uh, it's just another way that we're going to be raising money to buy a bunch of bikes for kids in 2021. Um, Evan, do you want to pull a name out of the hat here? Or whatever this thing is, this little cup thing. All right. He's not looking. They're all folded up. It's probably going to be somebody that we've heard their name a bunch of times. Hopefully not. <laughs> Who do you got? Rob Buck. Oh, Rob Buck. Wait, he is. He has not won anything yet. I do no. not believe. That's a yeah. new winner. That's rare. Yeah, that's cool. So, Mr. Rob Buck, uh, next time you're down from the Seattle area, stop by and pick up your socks, bud. Appreciate that. Thanks for listening. If any of you guys uh, listening are interested in becoming a Patreon and want to um, help us out and be a part of the drawings, you can go to dialpodcast.com, click on the Patreon link, and go pick a Patreon that works best for you. And thank you again to all of our Patreons. 
Um, what do we got now? I think we're going to do uh, a little lead out news. Is uh, Champ Bailey top five? I think he's in the top five discussion. I mean, I'm not just going to go top out five? crazy. Hall of Famer. Top three. Hall of, Hall of Famer. Champ Bailey. Champ Bailey by Champ Bailey. Oh, Champ Bailey. You in the house? Champ Bailey coming to you from frigid Idaho. Good morning, folks. Uh, yes, there was some racing that happened this last weekend. The uh, the biggest news was there were super prestige cyclocross race that happened in uh, I don't know somewhere in Europe and um, most likely Belgium. Yeah, most likely Belgium. <laughs> Gavir, I think that's what it's called. Yeah, Gavir or Gavire or however, I, whatever way I just said it, it's the opposite of that. Yeah, um, close. The the big news was uh, Matthew Vanderpool raced. Um, there was. <laughs> um th- however he did not win the super prestige race he was beat kind of soundly by tom pidcock oh, yep. No. Tom Pid- yep tom pidcock raced out of his head he had a fantastic day on the bike and it was it was a very very muddy course and um Pidcock managed to beat uh, Matthew Vanderpool, was the it, chosen one, was it by this about race? 15 seconds. Was it this what? race or the previous race when Vanderpool just ate it on the sand? Did anybody see that video? No. That that was the day before. That was the day before, and 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 MVP won that race, though, right? He he won that race like by forty seconds. Did you like, see that crash that though? Handily. That was hilarious. I mean, he just dug into the sand, and fl- I mean, that was that was a bad crash. He, he was yeah. winning by a lot. It didn't matter, but <laughs> right, right over the bars. Yeah, but I don't know what what's up with Pidcock, but he just like raced out of his mind. So pretty, pretty cool that um, he got in there and went for that. I think third place on that day was Tune Outs, Tune Ertz, um, and then Ellie Easterbit, who's been leading. He is um, he took fourth. So um, yeah, kind of a fun race. Cool. On the women's side. Um, the women's side, it was also quite exciting. Um, our own Clara Hansinger almost got on the podium. She ended up taking fourth in the Super Prestige race, which is phenomenal. So um, pretty pretty great. Um, it was won by Lucinda Brand, who has been kind of owning everybody in uh, cyclocross world um, this year. Uh, Betsema took... Uh, second and Alvarado, the reigning world champ, she took third. And Clara Hansing were, was only 10 seconds behind the world champ in fourth. When was Alvarado's so, last win? I'm not sure. I, I think she I actually be com- got like a piece of wire stuck in her derailleur in the middle Did of she? this race and had to, and had some issues, but she still managed to <clears throat> make it on the podium. Good for her. But I don't know when her last you know win was. But yeah, it was an exciting race to watch. Um, Evan, your friend Becca, yeah. um, she she took twenty second, I believe, in that race. Yep. And Katie F and Compton, I believe, broke the top thirty as well. Yep. So I know it was a big race for Becca. I was really happy to see that out of her. I've been stalking her Strava as she progresses through European racing. European racing is just brutal in the cycling world. I don't care if you're doing cyclocross or road racing; it's just hard. I mean, that, that, oh, there's yeah. just so many fast riders out there. All these, all these women we're talking about, they could come back to the U.S. and just dominate cyclocross races here. It wouldn't even be close. They'd be the podium every single race. Correct. 
Um, what's kind of interesting, Evan, is I don't know how this happened, but um, uh, Becca Faringer, she's had she's had a front row call up for the last couple races, so she's been starting on the front row. Um, I think it's because she's been so, racing really consistently, so she gets a lot of points that way. It must be so that and um, KDF and Compton, she's also been starting on the front row, and Clara Hansinger, she's been starting on the second row, so she rode into fourth place from the second row. So, other than that, that's pretty darn good. I got no other news. Two races went well. That's it. Matt, Evan, anything from uh, your neck of the woods? Any racing that you want to talk about? There was a young man named Keller Norland who did our mock try actually over the summer uh, or spring. He did our uh, little uh, Frenchman's Bar mock try um, and has been a a triathlete for Strive, which is a regional uh, juniors team out here, and has been had a great season last year on the triathlon circuit. And this year, went out to in Kentucky the uh cross uh national cha- uh, like club national championship i could i could be getting the name of that wrong when you yeah, say cross you mean cross country right group, right yes she, she's on whispers group you said stride well no no he's he he's uh he he does Trump strive uh for triathlon throughout the year oh stride on triathlon okay yeah 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 and um then you know just recently has switched over gears to training specifically running uh, it is no Keller is a very very fast runner. He is he is really 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 strong there, especially as a cross country runner and uh, won the juniors race fifteen to eighteen um, with a fifteen fifteen or fifteen low five k. I mean just just incredible stuff. It's funny he's been getting reposted all over Instagram by people now claiming they're like yeah triathletes can win running races too and that's I mean this is the 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 type of triathletes we have coming through this next generation. Where when I'm 40, I'm just going to be so slow. I'm going to be so slow compared. You got legit runners, cyclists, and swimmers coming through this next generation. Like really, really fast kids that developed good speed at young ages. Are you calling 40 year olds slow? Absolutely. They're going to be here soon. It's going to be nothing but 20 year olds. Well, I mean, we're, we're, we're looking at Pidcock going winning cyclocross. People are like, oh, the next generation of cyclocross. MVP is only like 25. What is he like? 24, 25, 26, that range? It's, I think he's 26 or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Past his prime. He's getting old. The next generation is going to blow him out here soon. And then he'll be 40 <laughs> and everybody will forget it. <laughs> All right. Cool. Matt, you got anything? Uh, there was some um, young girl from Whisper that like won the U.S. cross stuff USATS, at uh, yeah. Kentucky as well. That's what I was thinking of. Oh, that's what you were thinking of. Gotcha. Okay. Very cool. Um, yeah, I can look her name up, but um, other than that, there was – I'm trying to think of what else. You know, I, there was a girl that ran 1534 Jenna Hutchinson. school track 5K. That's a high school um, U.S. record. Yep, Jenna uh, Hudson. Uh, Jenna Hudson. She's yeah. been, she has been incredible over this last year. I mean, we're talking just an amazing runner to watch for one, but she's – the the competition is not even close. Like it is Jenna and then everybody else. Whatever race she jumps into at a high school level, she's going to win by a lot. Cool. Awesome. All right. Well, let's uh, let's Alexis, move on then. Alexis was oh, that Alexis? girl's name. She's just uh, thirteen to fourteen. They were in the four k. Nice. And she ran fourteen forty seven. So hopefully she'll come up and uh, consider running for Camus. <laughs> I was about to say that. <laughs> well, she's local. Where where does she live? I don't know. Does she have a stated town or city that she's from? She's got to be close. 
She's around here somewhere. This is how Matt does his recruiting. Right He's thinking here. about moving to Canvas, I heard. Yeah. <laughs> her, her Matt's going to buy her an apartment over there, you know? That's... Yep. yep. That's how that works. Matthew Vanderpool is 25. Tom Pidcock is 21. Wow. So, who, so who's the 18-year-old that's going to make them both feel like, yeah, give it give it three months. The next 18-year-old is going to come up and be like, Pidcock's past his prime. He's out. <laughs> Mark him down. His career's done. Yeah. Awesome. All right, let's move on to our topic for the day. We're going to talk about race organizations, um, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Just kind of dig into this thing. There's a lot of stuff going on. I, I, I think the one thing that kind of is driving this the most is probably like what's going on with Iron Man and these late cancellations. And, oh, you know, God. then there's race organizations that are having to deal with all the COVID stuff. And I just wanted to get your guys' opinion on how things are going, how, how things are going to progress once the COVID stuff is kind of in our rearview mirror and uh, what they can maybe do to, to make things better for us athletes that want to come out and race. So anybody want to kick this off? Anybody got any uh, gripe or beef that they want to toss out there? Oh, someone's calling in. They wanted to... Someone's calling in. They, they got a gripe or beef. <laughs> so many. They're calling in with their gripes and their beef. Timely. I got, I got so – oh, my God. I have, like, medium rare beefs with all this. I don't know. Bring it, dude. I don't know. It's it's like here's here's one of my main issues. Like – the, the the honesty would be great from some of these bigger, especially something like Iron Man. And I'll just speak to Iron Man because you can go on for days with, with the other ones. But the my, my, my problem with Iron Man is here's the thing. If you have a good idea that two months out, something's going to be canceled. One month out, something's going to be canceled. Two weeks out, something's going to be canceled. One week out, and then you cancel it three days before. That is, I mean, that's basically unforgivable. Uh, that it, it, it is wild that they've been allowed to get away with this for this long. So this just happened. What's the most recent one that this happened? I at? mean, there's there's a ton that this has happened at, but the most recent one was um, uh, Galveston's rescheduled uh, race. Galveston. Okay, so Galveston got rescheduled. To, I could be wrong. Twice, maybe three times, and then on that very last reschedule for the 2020 schedule, they they pulled it at like. I mean, we're talking two to three days before this is just a rumor um it was actually iron man higher-ups that pulled it not the city so the uh, people originally were blamed they're saying like oh galveston much has said you know the city council must have said like no you know no no race that was not the case apparently um that is completely a rumor i have no idea if that's actually 100 percent true or not was that race sold out um, it was with their protocol sold out. So whatever they had to shrink the field to. Do you know how far out it was sold out or was it something that they were That's still a taking? Good, well, it had gotten delayed so much. I have no idea. It, it could have been sold, sold out from their 2019. You know, I have no idea because it was originally supposed to be in 2020, um, uh, the first weekend in April, I believe. Gotcha. So then it gets bumped back all the way to, Whatever that would have been, um, what was it, Matt? It was like right around that late November time period, I think. Yeah, um, Arizona, same thing, right? And then yep. there was another race uh, in Texas that did the same thing too this year. Yes, and another one in Texas, and then Canada also. The thing with some of these is, like Canada, for example, they're like the certain province that this is in British Columbia. They were like these. This race will not happen. We yep. are not issuing permits these you know they won't happen ironman doesn't cancel the event until magically right after that 30 day yep. return policy period exactly. right so they wait till 29 days and then they're like yep we can't do the race happens to fall after that 30 day period where you could get your money back if, had you canceled 
And so right now there's a class action lawsuit against Iron Man for this very reason, saying, like, you guys knew you were going to cancel this race and you were still accepting money. You were still accepting race entry fees. And I think that's probably where one of the biggest issues is with that particular company. Yeah. Um, I would say that amongst the four of us, like our heart goes out to almost all race organizations during this time period. Like we all love racing. We think that the, you know, that the efforts that these race directors put in are just absolutely astounding, but um, gosh, you've got, you, you still need to treat people decently when you're having a hard time. And, and that's the case for this time and, you know, pandemic situations. And I just think good gracious, you know, some people are handling this a lot better than others. And in my mind, Iron Man's probably the worst offender. Yeah, so just- my 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 one question to them is why did they not take the approach of knowing what we knew for a while, knowing that racing was not going to really be able to happen on large scales, maybe slip in a race here or there without playing this guessing game. I don't know why there wasn't a, a, a really honest moment. I would have had so much more respect for Iron Man, and I can't speak for everybody, but I would have donated to something like this. When these big organizations can come out and say, like, hey, you know what? This summer, racing is not going to happen. We'll reassess in October. I'm just making up a date. Just we'll, we'll, sure. we'll reassess in October. But right now, for the next three to four months, racing is not going to happen. If you have participated in an Ironman event before and want racing to stay around, here's a donation link. You need to understand that for these races to happen, we have to make some money this year. I would rather they had taken that approach than this highly dishonest dishonest approach where they were basically stealing race fees. I mean, they basically took donations off stealing your race fees for, for an entire year. And I think I would have had a lot more respect for these bigger race organizations, Iron Man being the one that I'll point to, just if they had opened it up and said, look here, triathlon community, you've used Iron Man for years and years for your goals, for all of this, and just pumped that marketing and said, hey, even if you just drop us $100, if every single person who raced Iron Man the last couple of years drops $100 and that's it for the season, we could probably survive this year. And I'm not looking you know, at the books. I, I have no I idea. I don't know if I would have gone the donation route. I would have said like, hey, let's sell merchandise. And we're going to just say like, you'll notice that our merchandise has gone up $5. Like if you support us that, you know, that's where that money's going towards or and what they have done, uh, virtual racing. I know that yeah. uh, Lance loves virtual racing more than anything. <laughs> but, yeah, no. <laughs> but I do think like if you if from a marketing you perspective, if they said, hey, yeah. this is going to help support us and we're going to stay alive. Uh, I know I've done some like why racing is the local, you know, organization and Mm -hmm. we really love them. Um, Not that we don't have issues with why, but like for the most part, we love why racing and I've done virtual races because I want to support them, not because I care necessarily about another T-shirt or whatever. And I can go do a 5K anytime I want to uh, from my house. But hey, you know. Let's support Y Racing. They do so many good things in our particular local area. I'd love to kind of see them stick around. Going back to Ironman real quick, do they sure. sanction themselves or are they sanctioned by USAT? Um, they are most of the – all the Ironman races I've ever been to are sanctioned by USAT. Okay. Yes. Does USAT ever step in and, and talk to Ironman? Because Ironman then would be more of just a promotion company, correct? Uh, a race promotion. USAT company? does whatever Ironman tells them to do. Really? Also, it's... USAT charged me fifty bucks to renew my pro license on a ra- season where I didn't get to race anything. Thanks, USAT. When There's another they... gripe. Yeah. 
<laughs> Iron Man at least allowed me to take that six hundred bucks that my pro license taught uh, it oh, cost and allow me to transfer it to twenty twenty one. But I had to show my renewed USAT card. USAT, meanwhile, I get on there to renew, and they're like fifty dollars for next year. Thank you, USAT. So appreciate that. How much does Iron Man charge you for your pro license? Your uh, pro card? I'd have to look back. I think it's right around six hundred dollars. Yeah, six hundred dollars right. yeah, for a license? Yeah, to race as a pro. If yeah, you, if you uh, race as Jake, a Jake, here's the thing. He can do any race he wants to do with it. So he's basically paying the price of one Ironman for as many Ironman races as he wants to do for the oh, year. Oh, okay. so yeah. Okay, so you don't have to pay any it's race a, entry fees then at that no. point. Okay, I didn't understand. It's a pretty. It's a not. It's not a bad setup. That's actually. not bad. I mean, especially considering what they cost. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's interesting to know that um, the tail is wagging the dog there. Yeah. It still just cracks me up that Iron Man's professional structure, though, is that you have to pay to be a professional in the sport, which just seems strange to me. It is what it is. I, I don't really care. It's not where I make my dollar. But, God, I mean, that's – if you're a young guy who's like, man, I really have a lot of talent here and really want to focus on this, and you're like, all right, bud, you know, come over here and race this elite card that you earned 600 bucks. It's like, all yeah. right. That's not what professional means. That's you know we're we're not professional. You're you you're racing the elite division is 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 the joke. It's really not professional. So would you contrast the whole Ironman thing by saying that PTO is going to be the the polar opposite of them? And oh, I do so hope to- so. And I hope that they kick out pros like me and that they spawn you know really support the ones that like you know the the top hundred in the world, the top two hundred in the world, whatever it ends up being, and it becomes an actual like professional sport. That would be nice. Gotcha. Yeah. What about bike racing stuff, Lance? You got any uh, gripes or beef, or you think anybody's doing a, a, an excellent job and they need to be given kudos for that? Well, I certainly think they're 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 all in trouble, especially the, after this year. It, this has been a major difficult year uh, for all these organizations, but I think it's been I think it's been harder for promoters than it has been, you know, these cycling organizations that are you know supposed to put on and not fund racing, but try to ensure the races and whatnot. Um, I don't know. I've, I've been disappointed a lot in what our local race organization has done or not done. OBRA, the Oregon Bicycle Racing Association. Um, it just seems like they, they seem to be focused on the wrong things this year. And it, that kind of frustrates me a little bit. I want my race organization to be about racing bikes. And it seems like our local bike racing association uh, is more than that or wants to be more than that. I'm trying to pick my words very carefully because I'm going to get hate mail just for saying that sentence. But um, <laughs> what, what, what would you guys say is a primary thing holding back Obra from doing when I look at other regions and how they pivoted bike racing, it seems like a really simple pivot during COVID era, which is time trials. We're just going to do time trials, which would be the easiest race ever to socially distance. As we're joking, like literally the rules are socially distancing. So well, what, what has held them back from putting together time trials? It, it, a lot, I think a lot of it has to do with if most of the races are in this big metropolitan area of Portland, um, the city, uh, the, the mayors and the county commissioners have different rules than the rule um, county seats and, and people have. And so there's a lot more regulations that have to go through to be able to put on even a time trial like event in, in a more populated area than if we do it out in the woods somewhere. And I think that's that, that made it more complicated so much so that 
no races happened in the Portland area. None. As soon as COVID hit, there there hasn't been a race that's happened since then. But in rural areas, uh, you know, Mike Ripley's um, uh, group was able to put on gravel races and mountain bike races, but they were all time trial format. Um, but you got to take that even a layer deeper. He... He was flying and having flying under the the Obra flag, and he was having them sanction the races. And they actually made it prohibitive to the point where he decided to go out on his own, and he basically sanctioned himself. He went out and got all the permits that he needed. He got his own insurances, if I'm not mistaken, and he put those on by himself. And um, you know, did it really well. I mean, I think that he checked all of the boxes in terms of what the. Uh, that the COVID restrictions are at the time that, that he was putting on the races and he followed all of the protocols and did that to a T. I didn't personally go to any of his races, but I know you, Lance, you were at just about all of them, weren't you? I, I did all of the races he put on except for the 24-hour mountain bike race. I didn't do that one. But, oh, well, um, what, well, yeah. What, well, and I, what held you back from doing that one? <laughs> <laughs> that's too long. <laughs> <laughs> They, they did have a 12-hour race, but I wasn't interested in that either. 12 hours is still too long. <laughs> yeah. So he he went on his own and, and, and did his own thing, and that was uh, – I'm sure that was a tough pill for him to swallow, but at the end of the day, I mean, that's his livelihood, and he checked in to make sure that everything that he was doing was within the, the state mandates and guidelines, and they were, but um, Oprah wanted to add a few more layers of complication to that. Um, which was, I think, kind of unfortunate. So he went and did his own thing, correct? Yes, that's correct. I also think, I think he barely broke even too. I don't even think he made money this year. I mean, because, you know, obviously participation was down and because of the formats, you could only have so many people. And so, plus, most of the community was very cautious about wanting to race anyway. And so they just skipped them you know so which i i don't i have i don't blame people for doing that i mean everybody had to make their own decision whether they felt safe to do it or not or what their day job or who what kind of people they were around that might be immunocompromised that they didn't want to jeopardize any of that stuff so well yeah that's obvious i I mean if you've got an issue stay home correct yeah so i think you know even the races that happened they were you know half as big as they normally are but um yeah, Mike Ripley was able to put his races on, which which I really appreciated and was glad that they happened. Um, I, I mean, I guess I did more racing than probably anybody that I know this last year. And um, and I, I caught some flack for it from some people, you know, just because are, are you really being responsible going out to these races? and. If I got into a, a situation where I didn't think it was going to be safe or there was too many people around, then I didn't participate. Um, although the Belgian waffle ride was, there were bigger groups there than I was probably comfortable with. And I still lined up because I couldn't convince myself to pull the plug. But you also, still, you also mostly live in a van by the woods though, Lance. So, you know, <laughs> your, your person to person contact is your dog, you and, and your, and your bicycle so far, at least from what I've seen. <laughs> the cyclocross racing that you were doing in Utah, Lance, was that, is that directly through USA cycling or was there another governing body that, that kind of, no, in between? there was another, there's a, there's a Utah cycling association. And so there was a governing body through that, although 
their races were all sanctioned and insured by USAC, by uh, USA Cycling. So, um, I, and it was a it was a race promoter that just does cyclocross races, and there were some road races that happened in Utah as well. Um, but again, there were field size limits, there were mask mandates um, right up until the gun went off, and then once the gun went off you raced how you felt comfortable. So, and, and again, at the end of the, um, season, most of those races were canceled just because cases were rising, you know, infection rates were doubling and tripling up and they just decided, okay, really, this is just bike racing. Let's just, let's not do these races for now, which is, you know, again, is the right call. So. Interesting. Okay. Um, WSBA, did they put on racing this year? I, I don't know. WSBA is the Washington State Bicycle Racing Association. I, I believe they had a few races, some I time be- trials. I believe they had a time trial or two. Yeah. I think there was like four time trials that happened. And I think that's all that happened. All the other races did not happen. I'm trying to look up their results. And I'm not. It seems like they haven't updated their website for a long time, so that's also disappointing. <laughs> so yeah, I've got nothing know. else to do. You might as well update your website, right? <laughs> right. So let's uh, let's fast forward to 2021, and let's think about, like, right, let's just assume that COVID's a thing of the past. It's in our rearview mirror because vaccines are supposedly coming out today as we record. I, I don't know how long it's going to take for all that stuff to come out, and once things are going to settle down, I, I don't know that, when that's going to be. But let's just fast forward and, and say that we're, we're coming up on springtime. What, what do we want from our race organizations, these race entities that we— uh, we align ourselves with to go do our respective sports. What, what are you guys thinking that you want from them in terms of like racing? What, what are you hoping to get? Um, I, I think, I think the, the bigger question is, is what, what is the, what's, what's the racing community going to do? So it's not as much what, what do we want? It's what, what do I think we're all going to collectively do? Cause what I want is way different than what the grand majority of triathletes are going to want. So, well, what do you want? So for, for, for me, I would really like, I'd like some other pro race options that aren't Ironman because I feel terrible going to an Ironman race. I don't feel good going to an Iron. Like even I was trying to build my my schedule um, this last week, and it's just looking at these races and where they're located and the time of year and how they shrunk some of the pro field. I'm not even sure what's going to happen. So for me, I'm going to focus mostly on local regional racing. And that means going and maybe not being on a results list. That's actually fine with me because I'd rather go and support a group like Y or uh, go to a best in the West race, which is just an awesome race in the region. Um, I think Matt's done best in the West before. And, um, yeah. and uh, those, you know, those race organizations are like best buds. They're friends. Yeah. It's, um, and I've, and it's, I've met the best in the West guys. They're awesome. I mean, just yeah, I, people. I, I want to take a year and really looking down the barrel for me for the next 10 years, I, I want to do more and more local racing and really pull away from doing too many Ironman races. If I do one or two Ironman races a year, that's great. And if that means that my pro license ends up expiring with them because I don't meet their standards, that's fine. Because I think coming out of COVID, it's just in, in the, and I can only speak for the triathlon world. We just lost a lot of faith in, in the race organ in, in, in the big race organizers. I hope a group like challenge 
comes around and maybe starts putting out more West races in North America, which would be awesome. If they do, I'd love to give them a shot and a chance. Um, Rev three being another group, but I'd really rather give challenge the shot right now. Uh, hopefully they can come up and challenge Iron Man. But right now for me in 2021, just disappointment with Iron Man is, is driving a lot of the decisions. What's Matt, uh, Evan, what's what, why are you disappointed? Is it, is it because Iron Man, it seems like the reputation is just in the toilet right now. And so, boy, do I really want to support an organization that has taken advantage of people? Is that why you like two, feel guilty yeah, lining up? Two, I guess? two, two main reasons. One, they very clearly ripped off many, many people, which to, to me shows they weren't honest. They, they weren't open. They weren't transparent. So that to okay. me, it just leaves a bad taste in my mouth, period. And then just being a pro too, here was the problem is PTO was able to put races on this year for the pro field. Iron Man clearly showed they could give two fill in blank here about the pro racing. PTO did everything that they could to put on safe races for the pro fields. Even if that meant shrinking down the amateur fields to basically non-existent, and making sure that they were small, unexposed races. Now, would I have done any of those in 2020? No, because I'm a medical professional, so I, I would not have gone to any of those races. But not seeing Ironman do, I mean, anything outside of, like, squeezing an Ironman Florida while still keeping it an amateur, big, thick field, which made it probably a higher exposure race, they just didn't care. Like, really did not care. They could have so easily said, this race... We are just going to make it a pro field. We're going to eliminate the amateur field because we want to support the people that actually do this this sport for a living. They didn't do that. And then they also, the races that they opened up to amateurs, ripped them all off. So on both sides of the coin, Ironman failed this year in, 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 this, in this environment to me. Hmm. And they could have even, God, if Ironman was having trouble with their own races, they could have looked at the entire national picture of triathlon and said, hey, this year we're going to try and help you know, uh, a local race organizer group, if they need some help on putting on like a time trial style race, there's a million things they could have done. And they did basically nothing except for take money, pretend to put on a race, which doesn't happen and then give no refunds. That's what they did all year and not support basically any structured professional schedule. So the pros now are all leaning towards PT, not, not leaning towards they're signed with PTO PTO put on the best race this year. It was not an Ironman race. So, for me, I feel bad about even doing an Ironman race next year, honestly, after watching what they did this year. Does Ironman have any races on the calendar for 2021? They do. They have, um, I just got they're an email recently. Yeah. They're, well, they're not going to cancel. Oh, yeah. They're not going to turn off. No. I'm going to tell people, like, we're not going to have some race because they want to take people's money still. They exactly. have not. Yeah, I mean. They still got a thick schedule. Ridiculous. So, Matt, this is, I, I was having to look down my, my schedule. Um, what I want to do is. So Galveston may have just gotten pulled from the pro ranks. So um, uh, Oceanside is the only one right now that's like an early spring, reasonable North American 73. So when you say early spring, when that's is that? That's in California. April? Uh, March, the last weekend in March. In the state of California. A lot of money on the fact that the that's, state of that California. race isn't going to happen. But no. they're, they're actively taking signups for that right now. Yes, they are. It's sold out, actually. It's, it's a wait list race right now for amateurs. That race just isn't going to happen state of california march end of march no and they're they they are cruising into 2021 with the same bull crap they've been pulling all 2020 so wow 
This is this yeah, is but, why I. But gen- here's the problem: is it's sold out. There's still demand there, so they're probably like, well, it doesn't matter. We still. But but the problem that, that company is there's so that much demand sellout is that from they, deferrals. That sellout's from deferrals. That's that's people that's trying to get their money back in, in another yeah. way, and yeah. and they're not going to yeah. be able to get their money back. But this is their second round of deferrals, which should mean that they just don't get the next. Like they're going to have two canceled races. Right after this one, which means, and which they, means don't they just lose their money, according to the rules that Iron Man has set up with their, you know, deferral process, which I think is another really, really bad practice. Yeah. So okay, well let me let me ask you this because I signed up for like a dozen races this last year that all were canceled, and I didn't ask my money back on any of them. I just said defer me to the next year. So, and, and, and part of me, uh, some of, some of the races I signed up for knowing that they probably weren't going to happen, but for me, it was like, okay, I want this organization to at least have my money so that hopefully they're there next year. So what's the difference between me doing that with some of these smaller promoters and what Iron Man's doing? Okay. Subtle difference here. One, th- none of those races cost $700. Yep. That's true. Number two. Your entire season costs seven hundred dollars. <laughs> if I have a feeling that those small race organizations, if they have to cancel their next one, you're you're just going to say, "Hey, defer to the next year." Then, like, defer to twenty twenty two, right? Yeah, they probably say, "No problem." Iron yes. Man has a clause in their deferral program where it's like, once you've deferred, you don't have another option. Like, you just lose your money. But you're not the one deferring; they're deferring for you. Yes. Doesn't matter. The clause in there right now, the way it reads, is like, so for example, this race that Evan's talking about that will be canceled in March, there are people that deferred to next year, That was this one will be canceled, and they will just lose their money. They won't be able to defer again. Unless Iron Man says, like, you know what, we need to change that. That, that rule is bogus. I can understand if it was you, and you have come up with multiple excuses why you can't go do a race, and the race is still going on. But when it's the actual organization, the promoter, or whomever, canceling the race and saying your option is to defer or just forfeit your money, you defer, right? And if it's out of your control, there's no reason why you should lose your money. Yeah, exactly. That, that is utterly ridiculous. Oh, I mean, they're, they've, they've gotten themselves into – a, a hole right now that I don't think that they can get out of very easily. And it, it, I mean, I don't think I, I know Matt kind of disagrees me, disagrees with me on this, but I think 2020 will kind of spell the end long term. I think when, when Iron Man eventually fails and there's other big groups that come in and do it better, I think they'll look back at the way that they handled 2020 and that, and that'll be the reason for their demise. Well, that's your major catalyst right there. Because I mean, here's I, the thing is, yeah, definitely disagree. I know. And that's, and that's fine. Well, well and I bet Lance agrees because, with me too, because he's, you know, because here's 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 the thing: is ten years from now, we'll we'll come back and do this. But if my Tour de France picks are any indicator of my ability to predict the future, I'm going to be spot on here. So, <laughs> but I I really do believe people are going to be frustrated enough with Ironman. The reason triathletes still sign up for Ironman right now is just because there's not there's not a big enough game that 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 can compete with them right now. As soon as that group comes around, it's not going to take much convincing. It's really not. Here's the thing. Um, the let's let's say like you could have this other big race, and we could call it the PTO Regional Championships or whatever it is. It still doesn't have the same name recognition as the Ironman. Like 
you can't go to a coffee shop with your PTO shirt and have someone be like, whoa, you did a PTO race? Badass, man. Whereas I guarantee you, you put the same Iron Man shirt on, you walk into any given coffee shop, people are going to be like, oh, uh, are you just wearing that shirt or did you really do an Iron Man race? Like people recognize that brand. Yeah. And that is their saving grace because they can treat people like crap and people will still come back because yeah. of the name recognition. You know, tri- tri- triathletes, we we deserve better. Treat treat yourself better. Don't don't let yourself go back to be abused by Iron Man again and again. This is not this is not a good, healthy, long term relationship. It's not a healthy relationship. This is not no, a I've healthy. Talked about, I've talked about this on my um, YouTube channel where I've talked about like reasons why you should not do an Iron Man race and do your local races instead. But then I also made another video that was like reasons you should do an Ironman races. And one of them is like name recognition is real. And another reason is those races actually are pretty impressive. Like you've done oh, a whole bunch of them, Evan. Like it's They like, are great they, races. I mean, Ironman puts job. on an awesome race. But I also went to Pat Cress. Pat Cress was an awesome race. Pat Cress was a great race. Yeah. I still it was think a wonderful like, race. I mean, I'm willing to drive I've a never been to a challenge to go to a race, race so. like Pat Crest, but... I would fly potentially to an Ironman race. It's just like a here's, certain, here's, a slightly here's the, different level the of expectation. The only reason I still will do Ironmans until it changes is because for me, it's what field do I want to race? Absolutely. So to me, if that field was, hey, the, the, the 20 top regional pros are all going to Blue Lake this weekend to do a race by ourselves, that would be the race I would do and that'd be my A race. Yeah. I sure. could care less about the t-shirt or the experience. Now, do most people care about that? Yes. Yes, they do. So I understand that I'm not in the majority there. I I understand that. But to me, when as a triathlon community, are we going to change our reason for racing to be walking into the coffee shop and being like, oh yeah, you see this t-shirt here? I did the full thing, the whole thing, the entire thing. It's like, look, you can go to a local Olympic distance triathlon and get a similar experience and be around awesome triathlon community without having to sell your soul to Ironman. I think when the Ironman organization loses that, like, you know, um, that title of Ironman, that would be the perfect time, right? Where it's like, I don't think that anything's going to change until that happens. So Marvel, until the World Triathlon Organization loses the term Ironman. We need to send an email to Marvel and be like, Marvel, we need your help here. You need to Come rip on, that please. name back from Ironman and say, you got to call it a half and full distance race from now on. So quit, that quit everybody licensing this, quit licensing this name to them. So, so that means that now everybody walking around that t-shirt, it'll say, it'll say, you know, uh, what, what would be a Canada full distance triathlon. And people will be like, wow, you did the full, what does that mean? I don't care. And then walk away and people will be like, oh Move man, on. I can't go to this full distance man anymore. <laughs> I guarantee you, I guarantee you that small change within that company. All right. So I got sent an email to Marvel. This will be my thing. As, as much as I know we're going to get on here and be like, man, you know, we need to be nice to race organizations. My biggest thing from this is support your local triathlon groups. Like next year, I may try to do as many. If I can't do a Y event, I may just sign up for it and not even race it because I yeah, want Y to do great next year. I want Best in the West to do great next year. I want local running organizations to do great next year. I could care less about Ironman. I hope Iron Man tanks next year. They do terribly, and Challenge just just beats them down and suffocates them. There's my two cents. <laughs> yeah, I I think the Challenge I'll be completely wrong in 2021. They do, they do good events, right? Like I would travel to a Challenge race. Yeah, if they if they had a race up like near Seattle or even in California, or even I would go as far as like Utah or Idaho. 
I would do a challenge race right now over an Ironman race because I know at least some pros would show up. I'd be able to race a few pros. That's it. Yeah. That's so, the only reason I'm doing Ironmans because they, they have the most organized pro field right now. Yeah, Ran- yeah. Random question here. In the Marvel world, who beats <laughs> Iron Man? Oh, yeah. Who kills him? Doesn't he die? No, I don't think he actually died. I, I never watch any of the Marvel. Oh, spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. <laughs> How about PTO? Yeah, we'll, just, we'll just throw this out there. How about PTO go out and license the name Spider-Man? Just go do yourself a Spider-Man. There you go. Half Spider-Man. Did you, <laughs> did, did you do the half Spider-Man? I, I, I the full Spider-Man, yeah. Beat them at their own game, man. <laughs> That's still one of my favorite conversations I will have with people. And it's just, it, it's an, but, but Matt, Matt nails it on the head. And I know, Lance, you mentioned this too, is, I mean, most people, if, I, if they know nothing about triathlon and I go up and talk to them, they would leave that conversation thinking, that guy's barely a triathlete. He, all he does is focus on like Olympic distance and this thing called half. Why would you do the half when you could just do the full? He's not a real triathlete because my buddy down the street did a full and he's got the t-shirt. So until that mindset changes, I completely agree with you, Matt. Iron Man's staying around. Yeah, that mindset's not changing anytime soon. No, no. But that's why, I mean, if they lose that name or if Challenger starts coming up with another cool name. I think of some outside Spider-Man. Let's see, Thanos. A Thanos. <laughs> Someone was like, instead of like, you are an Iron Man. It was like, you are challenged. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. What do you guys? Iron Man's definitely got the name on lock right now. They just, I just need their own I Mike Riley. That change. Yeah. How do you guys feel about these uh, sanctioning bodies putting races on their calendars for early in 2021? knowing that these races are likely not going to happen, but using it as a ploy to bait people into getting their, uh, their, their race licenses. How do you guys feel about that? This, it sounds to me like the same thing with Ironman, where it's like, if you know an event is not going to happen, don't put it on your calendar. Don't accept money for it. Like, do the right thing. Gotcha. Hey, put a pin in that for just a second. We're going to say goodbye to Evan. He's got to go... Uh, treat the people make the 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 humans and people that walk now i'm all all riled up about iron man here man (laughs) we're putting we're putting a bet on this we got you fired up 10 years from now okay lance and matt 10 years from now we'll mark this date if iron man is still the highest grossing race organizer in triathlon i don't know how we'll measure that i will buy you both a pizza and but not a case of beer for lance a case of monster for lance (laughs) pizza (laughs) and a case of monster it tastes so good evan uh, I think I should definitely go. Their their problems ahead of them are like bankruptcy. They're definitely high likelihood of going bankrupt. Um, you know, maybe they could like sell off the name. Uh, but then would that organization be pizza worthy? That's my question. It's like whoever they sell the name to Ooh, could be a great organization. Um, I'm gonna say complete. Uh, if it's still attached to Iron Man, then you guys win. If it's if it's still from from Iron Man, then you guys win. Okay. Yeah. Any parting shots? Any last one last things from you, Evan? No, no, that's about it. <laughs> I've said, said peace. I've said I've said my piece. Yeah. Cool. All right, but thank you for your time. Go make the See world you, better. Uh, you guys have anything else you want to add to those last couple questions it's about the race organizers and um, the sanctioning bodies putting races on their calendars, hoping that uh, people will buy memberships? Well, I think I, mean, I think every every serious like cyclist racer, they all want racing to come back. I mean, I, I'm dumb enough to drive, you know, 800 miles to do a 40 minute race. So, I mean, everybody was, you know, anxious to see that, but 
uh, you know, and I, you look at the calendars and the calendars are filling up next year with potential races. And I just, I just don't see a lot of them happening. So it, it seems, we all know the world is not right right now. So it just seems a little bit more, I, I, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. I'm conflicted myself. Here's what I think they should do. I think that they should like, you click on any of those links on the calendar there should be like this big, bold piece like we don't think races are going to happen or it's highly unlikely that this race will even happen. Uh, we want to just reserve this spot on the calendar for this in case something changes, um, you know, reserve at your own risk or, you know, something like that where it's like, hey, uh, the reason we're doing this is to reserve this spot on this calendar date, um, you know, or or, you know, I know people really hate virtual races, but I kind of understand where they're coming from just because it's like, what else are these race organizers going to do? At least on the triathlon side, I know they're doing a lot of these virtual race things. Um, I agree with Lance. I think everything should pretty much be moved towards a time trial. Just that's like the virtual race of bike organizations. That's their option. That would be fantastic. If they could kind of come up with something like that, where it's like, even if it's cyclocross, like we're going to limit the field and we're going to do time trial. Like, Great. It's not popular. We understand, you know, it's not popular, but so is not racing. So those are your choices. Gotcha. I, I don't want to speak ill of Obra in any way, shape or form. And, you know, I applaud them for doing what they've done for many years, sanctioning racing. But I'm, I'm starting to see stuff on the website and that maybe I need to go dig a little bit deeper, but I'm not seeing anything that's um, speaking to what you just said. And I, I see it kind of as a ploy to get a few, uh, you know, bucks put in the bank. I mean, I'm sure I, I well, I know that they had a rough year, but God, I just don't think that that's the right way to go about doing it. And there's so many other things that could have been done over this last, like, you know, six to eight months that just weren't. And that's unfortunate, but I don't know, kind of is what it is. Um, I just, I really hope that there's a, you know, transparency across the nation with all race promoters, with sanctioning bodies, with different sports as to like, what's going to happen. Like if I sign up for this race or if I sign up for a membership or if I do any of these things, like what, what are the, what are the steps that are going to happen? Should everything get canceled again? I just want to make sure that I'm not, you know, just giving you money to give you money. Now I'm all for helping out, but I don't want it to be done under the guise of like, Oh, you're going to go race and you need to buy your license. Oh, by the way, you know, we just canceled everything, but thanks for your money. Yeah, I think the transparency thing is the key, right? Where it's like, be transparent, like tell people what you think and, you know, let people know, like you do appreciate the support if people like Lance are signing up for a whole bunch of stuff, knowing full well that it's it's not going to, potentially not going to happen. Gotcha. Now, moving forward, I think the the people who have the toughest job out of everybody, it's easy for the racer because you just get to pick and choose if you're going to go race. And then the the sanctioning bodies, they just pe need people to sign up and, and get memberships. But I think the person that's going to have the most difficult time is going to be the race promoter. And I think we need to be doing everything in our possible power to help support those people and help them be successful because they're the ones that are taking the risk. They're the ones that are going out and doing all the legwork and getting it set up and making sure that everybody's abiding by all the COVID rules and trying to get people to come out and race and convince them that it's safe. They're going to have the biggest task ahead of them. What can we do besides just throwing money at them, but to support these, these race promoters? I would, you know, that's one thing I've kind of tried to be focused on is supporting the race promoters this year, regardless of who they were being sanctioned by. 
Um, because yeah, if a lot of these race promoters, for some, it's a hobby for some, it's their full-time job. And the guys that the people that they were full-time jobs, I signed up for their races. Yeah. Mike Ripley's a perfect example for mudslinger events. Yeah. Yeah. Or Chad Sperry who did the Oregon trail gravel grinder. Uh, I mean, I, I I signed up for all their events kind of knowing they weren't all going to happen because I want those guys to be there next year when we can race Correct. or the year after when we can race. And I don't want them to just say, okay, this is not good. I'm going to go get a job at Amazon because I'm not going to make it and, and have those races just completely disappear. So, I mean, that's what I try to do. Can you speak to that from a triathlon perspective, Matt? Well, I, I feel very similar. So why organize, why race organization is our local race organization. And, um, they just give so much like money to charity. And, uh, some of the, the, their policies are bend over. I mean, this is actually one of their problems is their, their policies are like bend over backwards all the time for their, uh, for their racers, which I think can be pretty hard on the organization itself. Um, they've basically said like, Hey, uh, you know, we're, you know, we're signing up for these races or whatever it is. Uh, if the race gets canceled, we want you to defer till next year. Um, that helps the race organization out. She's been very forthright with like, you know, we're trying to survive at this point. Uh, and then she's also said like, you know, if you, if push comes to shove and you really want your money back, we can do that. Uh, we'll, we'll refund you hundred percent of the money. That's very rare. No other race sourcing. I mean, I haven't seen a ton of organizations that are really doing that. Uh, Boston Marathon actually uh, did something similar to that, which is just amazing because that's a lot of money and a very big organization there. Uh, but I want to support, you know, that organization, the organization that's, you know, bending over backwards for their um, customers. And so I've signed up for stuff knowing like this is going to be a virtual race. And that's kind of the route that she's gone. She's gone virtual with a lot of stuff. And I kind of think it's like, her, from her point of view, it's like, well, this is the best we can do. Uh, and she's done really well. I wouldn't say it's like great or anything like that, but like she has post-race videos. She has um, swag bags for every single customer, every single, you know, athlete that's doing stuff. Uh, she has award ceremonies, all this stuff for all the virtual races. And so I think she's doing the best she can in that given situation. So absolutely. Um, yeah, I like the fact yeah, that like support. she's thinking outside of the box. She's throwing a bunch of stuff against the wall just to see what will thick, sp- stick, whereas other entities, other organizations were just like, oh, what are we going to do? Ho-hum, or poor us, or just not like thinking outside of the box or, or trying to do different things. So I, I applaud her and her efforts. Yeah, it's so. it's great. I'm, I've been a big fan of her stuff, you know, her races and things like that, and so – I've been doing their races for a long time. I'll definitely, I mean, I'm going to sign up for a race in May, like the Blue Lake race that um, I think Evan was talking about. Yeah. Or it's it's usually late May or early June, I think. I don't think it's going to happen, but it's a race. I mean, whatever, like this is where we are at this point. Like, but do I, you know, do I want to support her? Do I want to support this race? I definitely don't want this race to go under and not be there in the future years. So yeah, I mean, uh, whether you, it's virtual or not, yeah. I think it's, you know, either way I'll sign up for it. Yeah. If you guys don't have Y racing, I mean, what else do you have? There's not a whole heck of a lot more. And that's just like one person putting on a, a you know, a handful of races. You just don't have too much yeah. other options out there aside from traveling somewhere. Right. Right. But that's, you know, I mean, triathlon is not the biggest sport in the world. And 
a lot of areas in the U.S. at least, you know, you do have to travel to go to these big races. And if you're going to travel, a lot of times it's an Ironman type race. Yeah. So I don't think that um, that, you know, I do think that it's uncommon our situation that we do have a local organization like Y Racing in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, I know there are a ton of other good organizations as well. And so for any of you guys that are listening and you're from, you know, overseas or you're from somewhere else, you know, definitely chime in, you know, either on Instagram or Facebook or somewhere and let us know about the organizations that you're pretty proud of in your area. Because uh, it's really cool to see those guys do well sure. and hang yeah. on through a, like tough times like this. Gotcha. Um, I do have a concern about just the health of bicycle racing in general. Now, we're, we're looking at two different things going on here. Right now, we just, over the last like six or seven months, we just had the biggest boom in the bike industry that I think it's ever seen. So we've got this massive volume of people that came into the sport or have been, uh, you know, reinvigorated to go out and start riding bikes and they're starting to do other things and you're hearing the likes of Zwift blowing up and their their numbers are doubling if not tripling you've got people jumping on a Strava and Strava's a you know been around for a lot of years and it's seeing massive growth numbers and bike shops can't keep bikes in the shop so you've got a ton of people out there riding bikes but if you look at like the pre-pandemic stuff you've got promoters that are walking away from the sport because they just can't they can't make it work I mean you've got guys that are doing this as a side thing or maybe a side hustle, maybe it is their, their livelihood, but they're just not getting the numbers out there that they need to make it a sustainable commodity that they can offer year after year. So you've got people walking away. So, and then we've got membership numbers that are dwindling in the racing scene. And now we've got all of this stuff where we've got a ton of people out there, we'll say a ton of fish in the, the sea that are, they're out there ripe for picking to come into the racing stuff. I just don't see that being a healthy thing. Cause I, I think that the, the sanctioning bodies need to do more. I think that they need to help out the promoters and we need to get promoters back in here. And I just, I see these two things going in two different directions and it's like, all right, something's not making sense here. So what I have an unpopular opinion, Jake, go ahead. I think that the race, the, a lot of these race organizations should raise their prices. If there's, if there's more fish in the sea, if there's more demand for their product, but there isn't costs are expensive because, um, you know, your governing organizations and things like that are demanding more of you Then you know what, like raise your prices. I think that that's okay. Um, again, I'm coming at it from a triathlete that has very expensive races and I love, I absolutely love it when races are very affordable because I love for more and more people to be able to do them and have opportunities for people that aren't necessarily, um, super well off. And, you know, I'm thinking back to when I was uh, a runner and races were dirt cheap, five five bucks or whatever it was, and you got a t-shirt. It was like crazy, the prices that we had for running races. And I was super thankful that I was able to do those races growing up because those are opportunities. But bicycling is different than running. Bicycling, it's already a bit of an expensive sport uh, to get into. Triathlon, very much so as yeah. well. And I think that cycling events could raise their prices a little bit. But I, I think it's a little bit different, Matt, because I think demand for bicycles and bike yes. riding is up, but like road racing demand is down. Gravel racing is up. Cyclocross racing is about even. No, Mountain bike are... racing is up. So, so maybe it's one of those things where it's like, you know, which race you're talking about, like some of these gravel races can probably increase their prices and maybe they are. Right. I'm guessing that um, some of those big, big gravel races are probably expensive to do. I actually don't know. But how much was the Belgian waffle ride? 
I, I want to say I paid 200 bucks for it. Okay, that's so pretty That's expensive. pretty steep for a bike race. So like it is your, pretty steep for a bike race. Your traditional road bike race, your like a little one-day deal is going to cost you usually around 40 bucks, give or take. Yeah. Yeah. So but maybe they just maybe it's one of those things where it's like if that was 50 bucks instead of 40 bucks, which yeah, that's a big jump, right? I mean, 25% increase in price, but like that, you know, it still wouldn't be a deal breaker for me to be like no, I'm not going to do it. It was 40 bucks. Now it's 50 bucks. I don't think it would be the decision making yeah, factor. Yeah. Well, you just might do less of them. And for some people that Maybe. don't have the disposable income, they're just not going to go out and do as many of those races. But I, I don't think that it's really truly fair to to charge the, the fewer people that you have left doing your sport more money and ultimately potentially, you know, push them out of the sport as well, just because it's becoming awesome. not cost prohibitive, but it's just like, it's too much. Like where, you know, that person might have done like five or six or seven races. Now they're going to maybe do three or four. So you're ultimately you're driving your participation down. So I just think that the, the sanctioning bodies need to think outside of the box and do things a little bit differently to keep their, their active membership engaged. And then you need to do something to bring these people there's there's droves and droves of people out there riding bikes and i love seeing all the kids out there too they just need to do more and i think locally here they're just not doing a very good job of it at all that's just my two cents options yeah Yeah. so well i think we could uh probably go on for hours about this so i think everybody kind of gets the general sentiment of what we've got going on here i just truly hope that in 2021 we see more transparency that people learn from this and maybe better things will come out of it so that um, we can have better race experiences and get out there and get back to doing what we love and that's you know racing bikes and doing triathlon and running and well not running here but you know what i mean (laughs) (laughs) any parting thoughts from you guys on this no i think that's good for me but you matt yeah, I mean, I feel like we maybe were a bit negative on this. I think that there's um, re- there's a lot of really good organizations that we should, you know, highlight. Um, there's one for ultra running that uh, my friend JP mentioned, uh, Beyond Racing, and they will literally send you a note on your birthday, like a birthday card, like you know, because if you're bumping up in age group, uh, they're going above and beyond as far as like customer service goes for their athletes, and so. Um, That's great. I would love to see that from from bigger organizations and uh, governing bodies as well. So, gotcha. Cool. All right. Well, let's uh, move on to one last thing, Matt. What you got? Uh, I always have a YouTube video. Actually, um, this past week I actually posted three videos, uh, which I do each year, and it's kind of Christmas gift ideas. And I did uh, one for swimming, one for biking, and one for running. Um, this year, slightly differently, I, I did a giveaway with each one. So I'm giving away uh, some really fancy carbon swimming paddles. Uh, I'm giving away uh, two different heart rate monitors, one for the bike video and one for the running video. So uh, even if you're not looking for Christmas gift ideas, you should definitely go check out those videos, comment on them, and get in on the running for those particular gift items uh, coming from me to you for Christmas because... Uh, why not? I don't get a ton of people viewing these videos and you should probably get in there and win something free. Lance, you need a heart rate monitor? I, uh, I did watch your videos, but, uh, I don't need a heart rate monitor because I have, (laughs) I I have a couple, so I didn't comment because, uh, I didn't want to steal it from another deserving person. 
Yeah, don't worry, I wouldn't have picked you anyway. Yeah, figures. <laughs> I still need to watch those videos. Do you crack the 5K market, Matt? Are you getting close? No, uh, things have slowed down a little bit. I'm hoping to crack 5,000 by the beginning of the new year, but that's just kind of big a big wish. I don't know if it'll actually happen. Yeah, I'm looking forward to cracking the big one one two zero, big one hundred and twenty subs. Yeah, <laughs> we're just yeah. about there though. <laughs> I think we were at one nineteen yesterday. I haven't looked today, so you're probably there. Cool, Mr. Lance Hepler. What's your one last thing, bud? My one last thing is uh, just to stay safe out there and love each other and respect your uh, neighbors and your friends and uh, do good things. That's all. Cool. That's very uh, very nice of you. <laughs> My one last thing is that we will be having the Ugly Christmas Sweater Ride this coming weekend. This is going to be the latest we've ever done it, so I'm hoping for some decent weather. And we will be posting that up on the Strava page and our Facebook uh, channels uh, later today, actually, as we post this. So when the podcast comes out, you shall see that. Uh, We will be following all COVID protocols, and we will make sure to to do everything safe if you – don't feel like this is the best thing for you or if you've got some sort of compromised uh, issues that you want to, you know, not, not have uh, compromised further, uh, don't come out and we'll, we'll see you hopefully next year. So that's uh, thing one number one. And thing number two, because um, I've always got two things, right? Uh, Lance and two I did, last things. Yeah, Lance and I yeah, did, um, did a video and that's going to come out hopefully later today. It's pretty much about 98% done. And it was our... I haven't come up with the, the active title for it yet, but it's our best uh, quick bike wash option. So we we put four things head to head against each other, and we did a whole uh, video on that. I actually really like this video. It's one of my favorite ones that we've done so far. It's it's it was just kind of fun, and it flows really nicely. So it's very scientific. We washed bikes four different ways as quick as we could, and we tried to uh, decide. Um, which was the best. Yeah, I mean, cool. I'm looking so, forward to that one. Sometimes you just don't have all the time in the world and you need to get your bike washed. And so what's the best option when you've got five minutes or less and in what supplies and, and how are you going to do that? So that will come out uh, hopefully later today. If not today, it'll be out tomorrow for sure. So when this comes out and you're, you're listening to this right now, make sure that you jump over to YouTube and you can check that out and go check out Matt's channel while you're at it. Um, yeah. That's it. Anything else, guys? Is that is that uh, sweater going to be on Saturday or Sunday? It'll be on Saturday. So I guess I can't do my FTP test with Evan. I'll have to break the bad news to him. <laughs> you could do your FTP test on the ugly Christmas sweater ride. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that ought to be fun. All right. Well, we appreciate everybody listening. Uh, go check out dialpodcast.com if you want some more information on the Patreon stuff. And you can go and see the whole entire library of everything that we've done. This will be podcast number 147. So... You can see 147 different podcasts on there, which is hours upon hours upon hours of listening pleasure, right? Um, We will be back next week with another one of these. Until then, thanks for listening. Bye for now. Bye.